Okay. Giving people enough time to get in here. Welcome to Zetaland and the first Twitch podcast live stream, however you want to put it. I'm your Zeta male. And tonight we're going to talk about Medicare for all. What's the math? What's the priorities? Just so you know ahead of time, let me turn that volume down a little bit. Just so you know ahead of time, I'll be streaming about anything that interests me or that friends fight about. And this kind of qualifies as both. So, um, regular streaming time is going to be Monday nights at 9 p.m. And if I get jacked up over the winter and start being more interested in other things, maybe I'll add another night, whatever. This is a lot like sex when I do it. It's all for my benefit. So why don't we just slide into this? Let's get it going. This meme came up in a friend's timeline the other day. Conversation immediately turned to Medicare for all the people asking why we couldn't do it. And rather than just a dismissed question, I decided it might be worth entertaining. Let's look at it and see if we can or can't do it. And if so, how can we make it happen? A couple of rules here to start with. I will try to remember to use the term Medicare for all. I know some people know it as universal health care. The older people do. But we're going to try to stick to Medicare for all, which is a blanket term for everybody in the States getting medical care without being buried in bills. Think of it as kind of a socialized medicine. Definition's a little bit fluid, but hey, I think we can make this work. I know that a lot of my conservative friends won't take this seriously, and that's fine. I'm not actually here to persuade anybody. I just want to talk about some of the issue here. Next, I treat this like a real question. I'll give the best answers I can. They will not be comprehensive, and there will be room to argue also, so you have a real good time with that. Feel free to drop anything in the chat that you want. I've got a little bit of moderation going on there because I had to talk somebody into not me not buying followers. I, I have no clue. It's my first time on. Uh, it's my first time here, so uh, I don't even know about buy, buying followers. It's not like this is Instagram or anything, huh? Let me resize that window a little bit. There we go. In doing this, I will not be identifying my friend or friends. I will not mock anyone. I will not embarrass or dox anyone because, God damn it, I'm a good neighbor, or at least I try to be. The answers I give you will come from the way I see things. You will see it differently. You will have different answers that can contribute to the discussion if you want to. I am prepared to be wrong because pff, it happens all the time anyways. Goal here is information exchange and discussion. It is not domination. It is not ownage. All that bullshit said. Let's go. Nice little change of music there. Pick it up a little bit. Less trance-like. I give it an eight. Easy to dance to. It doesn't have any lyrics. So observe our graphic here. Protesters marching with placards. Love it, improve it. It's Medicaid for all. Medicare for all. Pardon me, not Medicaid for all. You've been watching a lot of the march and the protests preceding the election. You have seen this scene time and time out 
over again. It's been all over the place. A lot of the larger urban centers. Okay. The idea of Medicare for all is emotionally appealing because we as people want to care for each other. Nothing wrong with that. We love people. We want to take care of them. But then you've inevitably got somebody on the other side saying, well, that's a lovely idea, but who's going to get stuck paying for it? That was the actual phrase that I heard. But let's put that in a more value-neutral way. It's a lovely idea. How do we pay for it? Just a thought there in life. Don't say we can't do that because look at how we might be able to do it. I mean, didn't have microwave ovens in the early 70s. Now we got burritos left and right in every 7-Eleven. God damn, life is good. This cartoon is how some backers of Medicare for All see and understand their opponents. To be honest, a lot of the opponents of M4A do get upset on the subject. I do not think they all look quite like this, though. Because this is an exaggeration decided or put up to make the other side look bad. For my part, I think the main thing that needs to be done when discussing M4A is to move again from the knee-jerk, we can't afford this, to asking how is it we might be able to afford this? What do we need to do? Start from the possible and see if you can make anything work. So what is the roadblock of Medicare for All? Let's say we're going to go past the libertarians arguing with the socialists and we're going to get past all that stuff. What are we dealing with? Well, right here. This is a discretionary budget. So you ask how are you going to pay for it? Let's look at the budget see where, and uh, the charts that I'm going to have. We can look at it from there. Now, here's your first warning on this. I did these charts. There will be like three or four of them on, a, on the fly, which means I did not get matching budgetary charts, which is pretty cheap of me, but... I think uh, at the level we're working right now, this will work just fine, or at least it'll be good enough to get us going. Uh, so you're going to end up with, uh, this chart is from 2018. There's going to be one more from 2018, one from 2017, and one from about three days ago when I set this damn thing up. I believe the chart's going to be sufficient for the discussion we're having and the math we're going to be doing in our heads. They'll give us a rough idea. If we got a rough idea, well, you can move out from there. So anyways, let's take a look at this chart. When a lot of people cite the budget and they say we can afford it, they look at this right here, discretionary spending budget, and they say, look at all the money the military has. It takes up well over half of the budget. I think it's 59%, it says there. So let's just chop away at the military. Okay? That's one opinion. And I'm not going to say it's the wrong one. However... You have to ask yourself, based on this, what is a discretionary budget? Is it, the whole, is it the whole budget? Is it the entirety of what we're spending? The answer to that is no. Let's go over to the next one, the total budget. Now, this one's from 2017. You need to know that. Discretionary budget is the money that we get to spend on the shit that we want to spend it on. But there's a lot more to the budget than just that, because there are legal requirements to spend money on other things. 
What is it required to spend money on? This is the stuff you can't cut. You need like a big motion in Congress in the country to get the stuff cut. And this graph here shows the entirety of the budget. And you'll see that the pie is divided in a whole different way. Now take a look at their military budget, 632 billion, as opposed to the other one was a little larger. Military budget was 15% of what we're spending. That's about one sixth of the entire budget, the complete budget. On the other hand, what takes up more than half the budget comes out to 61% of what we're spending is the human service spending. Social Security, unemployment, labor costs, Medicare, health. And this is the stuff you're asking to spend more money on. This would be the Medicare we'd be putting, sorry, we'd be putting Medicare on for all on top of this budget right here, which is... It's going to be sizable. Just look at it right now. We are spending 61% of the budget on things that you've already said that you you think are a high priority, which is human service spending. Okay. So we're already we're already taking care of a lot of things the Medicare for All advocates believe are important. Now, can we do better than that? Some people are going to argue that the USA still has enough wealth, and we're going to define wealth here as money or easy access to money, to make Medicare for All happen. And it's just a matter of us setting up priorities. Now, priorities is a great word, and we need to keep that in mind. And we do need to ask, okay, what are our priorities? Okay? And in this case, we might best better ask, uh, when we look at the budget, where can we see we need to move money from, and where do we need it to? And at this point, since we're going to be moving money around, we should take a look at how much wealth we do have in the country. Let's go to the next screen then. Okay, right here, this is the budget deficit. This is what we look at. Uh, a little more music there. Okay. Okay, this is, I'm sorry, this is, this is the federal de deficit. The surplus is in above that middle line. The overspend is below the middle line. Please note the last time we had surpluses were at the end of the Clinton year and the beginning of the Bush term. Okay? So do we have enough money to fund this project? A couple ways you can get money. You can restructure your taxes, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. That's one way to get money, and it's worth exploring, but that's not where we're going to go quite yet. Instead, I want to talk about budget deficits, as seen in the chart there. As it stands right now, the country is... Oh, my notes are incorrecto. We are not losing $1 billion a year. We are losing $1 trillion a year. And that's the money we end up putting on the national credit card, so to speak, in order to make this year's expenditures. Now, when I'm talking about the $1 trillion, I am not talking about the spending for either the 2008 crisis, uh, financial crisis, if you were around for that one, and I'm not talking about the extra COVID money that's gone out there. I'm just talking about standard year-by-year -year spending. So we look at spending an extra $1 trillion more than we make each year. It's on the national credit card, and we have to pay interest on it. Now, right now, the interest rates are insanely low, which is why it's a great time to refi your house. I am not a financial manager, so don't just jump, jump out and do that. Check it out. Make sure you're good. Make sure you're not screwing yourself, shooting yourself in the foot over that. Okay. But we are putting an extra... We'll call it a trillion a year on the credit card. And that is not a sustainable spending level. 
Now you look at the chart on the right. That is from the debt clock. That's the one I picked up a couple of days ago. Debtclock.org, I think it is, something like that. That's a running total of how much we owe or have at each level of government. And what you're going to see is a couple of days ago, the national debt was at $27 trillion. One thing people might note about the national debt is that Trump has really run it up. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not a big fan of the fact that he cut all the taxes and didn't cut the spending. And you might think I'm mean about the spending, but that money's going to have to be paid back. And when you get upset because the boomers, that would be me, left you a big bill, then please do remember that if you increase spending, you're going to be increasing the bill for your kids. Anyways, back to my notes. So anyways, that's where our national debt is right now, about $27 trillion. We're probably paying around 1% interest on that right now. And that low interest rate is the only thing that's keeping the payback manageable. If we were to go back up to make something more normal, say 5%, in order to make those bills, we would have to cut other money we're spending. And in case you need, here's a larger look at the debt clock. Easier to see, more frightening. Again, please note in the budget and deficit charts, I did not use years with emergency spending such as 2008 or the current year. However, the national debt clock does figure in those numbers. Those are stuck there. So what we have to do is we have to ask, how do we shuffle around money we are borrowing and money we are spending in order to have health care for all? And the question that was originally asked, how can we afford it, or rather who's going to get stuck paying for it, is a totally legitimate question. The money will have to be paid back, and if you don't pay it, well, if we don't pay it back, if I don't pay it back, then our kids are going to end up paying it back. And that puts, an unsus that puts just a son of a bitch of a burden on their backs. If we want to have Medicare for all, it has to be stay paid for, and it has to be paid for in a way which make it sustainable, not just one year and hope for the best the next year. That's not fair to the people getting the health care. So that's going to require establishing and keeping on a budget. I'm going to have a little bit more to, st to stick in the description when this is over. I'll finish editing that. But I do have an article on the Trump budget deficit from pre-COVID. And again, for Trump or against him, doesn't matter. If you look at what he did, he did pump up that deficit. Please remember the standard is that every president leaves a larger deficit than the one before him. And every one of them comes into office promising to cut the prices and instead they lure us on with uh, promises of money. There we go. In the description here, you're going to find a link to a story on who pays taxes in America and what their tax contributions are. And this is my first stream, so I am like painfully underprepared with links in that. I've got them here. I'll put them up at the screen. This thing will hold it for like two weeks. You can find it there. Now let's go back to the priorities on this, all right? If you look at who's paying taxes and who's not, one of the things you're going to notice is that the people on the top end are paying a larger percentage in taxes. And people on the low end are not paying, essentially not paying any or much. Now, I'm not picking anybody in the low end because I'm one of the people on the low end. If I come back myself to the priorities we have to have as a nation in order to have M4A, 
I have to ask myself, would I be willing not just to raise taxes on the millionaire class, but would I be willing to forgo the tax credits aimed at the lower class? And would people in the middle class be willing to take a hit on the tax credits that they get? Because everybody gets a, gets a piece of the pie there. It's all put in the tax code. Uh, for example, this past year, I got back about $2,400 that I did not pay in. And I'm not alone in that. A lot of people got back money. I'm not talking about that $1,200 earlier in the year. I'm talking about last year's income taxes. Would I be willing to chuck that money away? Would I be willing to just hemorrhage $2,400 in order for tens of millions of others to have universal medicine? Yes, I would. I think that'd be worthwhile. But the thing is, we all have to decide to do it. That has to be on our priorities list. I do want to put a couple of words out here from a friend of mine who's rather smart. He's on the left, and he's a, he has a great deal of experience working outside of the United States. He's an expatriate. And let me give you what he said here. I don't know of any country that runs on a balanced budget, referring to the budget deficits. Back to him, though. Countries manage, countries manage deficits through a combination of taxes and bonds. The lower the taxes, the more vulnerable countries are to the bond market. Americans at the federal level are very lightly taxed. And you can see that in their rotting infrastructure. While the rich should be taxed much more, so should everyone else. Let me break from what he's saying right here. He is maybe middle class. I don't know what he makes a year. I don't ask my friends that type of question. But I know that he is not one of the privileged. He's not rolling in dough. He is definitely not seven figures. I don't even think he's in the six-figure area. Anyways, back to what he says. One reason so little works in America is inadequate funding. Wages are, sorry, wages are low in America, so taxes hurt more. But American productivity is high, so wages can be raised if the political will is available. In the 90s, he goes on, I worked with a Dane. In Denmark, he explained once, his salary went for t- half of his salary went for taxes. From that, sorry, and from that he got his university education, his health care, and his retirement, as well as a good infrastructure. Few Danes complain they got something for their money. In America, he thought we only got an army, and that army only loses wars. Well, he's not wrong. One reason everything works in China is adequate funding. Taxes are high in China. There are almost no deductions. Everyone pays, even Trump would pay. So a better tax system with judicious use of the bond market could improve American life. There is indeed no free lunch, but we can eat better if we pay more. Okay, those were his words on it. Basically, to recap everything I said, and this is my opinion on it, could we have Medicare for all? Yes, yes, we could, but here's what we'd have to do. We'd have to accept a much higher tax burden. We'd have to be willing to give give up our tax credits, and we would need to reprioritize. Should the military be hit? I don't think it's going to be because there's too much money and too much power behind the military. I'm talking about contractors, not generals. Contractors and lobbyists. But if it were something we wanted to do, I think we could successfully do it. Question is, do we want to? 
Now, I'm not going to advocate for it. I have my health care. So I kind of don't have a dog in this. But if you decide, I'll throw in my $2,400 a year. The rest is up to you. Okay, that's it for Can We Have Medicare for All this week. Not a real long stream, but I don't like to pad these things out and I already talk too long. Anyhow, people get bored by this type of shit, but I love it. What do you say? I'll be back next Monday. Not quite sure what I'm going to talk about yet. Might talk about Zeta Males. We are Legion. In the meantime, you all have a really good day. And we'll let you wind down with some music.